Well, we'll get going. Um, maybe there's some, some resources. Do you remember what you recommended last week while I was gone? I did. Um, it was the, um, the Zonerman Study Bible. I brought it, and we actually, uh, I, I tried to utilize it last week um, so we can see how you utilize a, a study Bible. You can just find everything over here. Yeah. I got a USB stand right here. Wow. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. What you guys? Um. So, uh, I'm just going to kind of point you towards a topic. I'm going to I'm going to point you towards a couple of uh, a couple of outlets that have been doing a lot of writing on this specific topic recently. So we're coming up on the 500th anniversary of the Protestant Reformation. The Reformation. Um, and so uh, the guys at Nine Marks, um, if you don't follow Nine Marks on Facebook, pull your phones out. I'm about to give you guys a couple of things about your cellular devices and your Facebook app. Um, go ahead and just like Nine Marks. You can type them in, you can find them, like them. They, uh, they posted a really cool thing yesterday called the Sunday Before the 95 Pieces. It was a really interesting read. Um, the Gospel Coalition has been posting some things on the Reformation, um, and uh, I know, I guess two more might be for the church, which we've recommended before, but they're, they're obviously posting some things, and I think desiring God as well. So, um, Nine Marks, the Gospel Coalition, for the church, and desiring God. I would just keep an eye out for all the stuff that they're putting out over the course of the next month. As we work towards October 31st and Reformation Day. Should we, should we say what we're going to do that week? I think so. Who, so let, well, who's going to, like, what is the what is that day? What's our, uh, let's see what's right. So we'll be who's excited? Um, November the 1st, which is the day after the 31st. Yes. So um, on Wednesday night, the 1st of November, we are going to, instead of, uh, we're going to take a little break from Acts for the night, and we're going to show uh, Luther. We're going to yeah. Luther, and we're going to watch it here together. So, so it's, a, it's a documentary slash film that uh, has been um, produced and published in the last year. Very historically accurate. Yeah, very good. So, um, so we're going to do that November 1st. So it's an hour and a half long, so we'll go a little longer that night. So late nights will be... Late night, later night. Later night. Yeah. <coughs> so... Um, maybe somebody can uh, take some popcorn or something. Yeah, maybe we'll do something cool. Bring some candies and whatnot. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's what we're selling. So, anyway, yeah. Um, and, like, we'll open that, like, I mean, if you got people, like, who've never been to Late Night before, or people in your church or whatever, like, yeah. So, we're showing them. Invite them to come. I think it's a bit hard. You've never seen it before? Seen it before? There's kind of the funny meme of the old one, like the black and white one. I uh, I want to point to a, a website um, this week. Go ahead, you get that. Like, um, between the times BetweenTheTimes.com. BetweenTheTimes.com. This is a uh, a blog site 
from Southeastern Seminary, and they uh, there's article they share articles that uh, most of the time their professors write, but also really good sermons from their chapel. And if you go there right now, the first two posts are really good sermons from from the last two chapels, and I want to recommend both those sermons um, and that website. So that's a good one to plug your email in at the bottom, subscribe, get the email when they post stuff, and um, you want to listen to these two sermons. One's by Tony Marina um, uh, out of Romans chapter 8, and then the other one is um, by Dr. Alan Mosley about uh, lessons uh, about suffering from the book of Job. And um, just incredible, incredible songs. So um, please listen to those and check that website out. Okay? Sounds cool. great. Let's do this thing. If you got your Bible, let's go to Acts 17. Once you, once you bring us up to speak where we were last week, and um, without, without, we're going to study the first 15 verses of 17 tonight. So last week we said, um, I said, I mentioned that it would have been helpful for us to, if we kind of all over the past couple of weeks on the, the length of our sections, like it would have been helpful to read the, um, maybe all of chapter 16 together. We broke it up a little bit, and so two weeks ago we saw the conversion of Lydia uh, and her family's submission to and obedience to the order, the ordinance of baptism. Um, and then we saw in the same region, um, which would have, would have been Philippi, um, the conversion of the slave girl who was oppressed by a spirit who was being used by her owners, right, to uh, bring about their own personal financial gain. Um, by telling fortunes, we see Paul uh, uh, call the spirit out of her, right? Um, and then we see their imprisonment, which last week we, we touched a tad bit on this um, at the very end. But we see Paul's imprisonment um, along with his comrades, and we see their response to the difficulty and persecution that they experience. It is joy offering hymns um, to the Lord, singing to Him and praising Him. Um, we see the Lord uh, <coughs> perform a miracle in which the, the gates of the prison are open. The guy's about to, the, the soldier runs in, he's about to take his life, and Paul cries out, hey, don't do it, we're still here, right? And then we see um, the guy who's about, the soldier about to take his life, we see him receive life. He, he becomes a follower of Jesus, and he is baptized in his household, and so we see the beginnings of the church there in Philippi. Um, we didn't talk a lot about this last week, but what some things that we're going to see informed, or some things we're going to read later on in the book of Acts are informed by what we see here, and that is the way that Paul is treated um, by the magistrates, right? Uh, we're going to get later on when we go through uh, a few of the later chapters, it's almost like we are going to take a law lesson that we're going to be um, going through law school a little bit uh, as we kind of try to understand uh, the relationship between the Romans and their citizens and how they're treated and that was a little bit coming and we're introduced to that last week so that's where we were so as we leave this passage tonight Kirk and I were talking about this yesterday like we kind of want to I want to kind of cast 
two, uh, I guess, pictures. And one is uh, a 35,000 foot picture. We talk about this a lot. We, we, we read the Bible from, from an airplane view, and then we read the Bible from a, a boots on the ground kind of view. And, and in this story of chapter 17, we really see the same thing that we've seen over and over, right? a continuation of what God is doing by way of His Spirit, through the obedience and bold uh, evangelism of the apostles. We see various responses uh, here, which are things that we've seen all through the chapter. But nonetheless, if we look high enough down, like God's continuing to, to, to show uh, the advancement of the church through the gospel, His faithfulness amidst a lot of stuff. And, and, and we see that continuing in chapter 17. But when we get down, verse by verse, kind of uh, more of a, a boots-on-the-ground look, there's some really cool lessons that are really practical for us in chapter 17 in how we preach the gospel, right? We're all proclaimers of the message and how we, how we share the gospel, but also how we hear the gospel. And I mean, it's just a, some, some really cool, there's some good one-liners in this text and just some, some really interesting lessons that are going to help us um, as, as, as Christians. So each week we talk about the, the structure and for sake of simplicity, tonight we really see, based on two geographical locations, our structure. So in 17, we're going to see verses 1 through 9 take place in Thessalonica, um, and then verses 10 through 15 in a place called Berea. So the, the geographical divisions are going to create for us a structure. And so we're going to see two different groups of people um, doing two different things, right? Um, the emphasis seems to be responses and, and all, all, all the end of this passage. Yeah. So, so it might be helpful as we read and we know that there is this transition within the geographical context, right? To, to consider what are the similarities and what are the differences as, uh, as you know, we, we see them displayed in the passage. And, and we're going from place to place. Like we're, he's left Philippi now, yeah. and he's going to Thessalonica. So, um, so anyway, I'll read, and uh, then we'll pray and start walking through this. Um, chapter 17, verse 1. Now when they have passed through, now, we said yesterday that everybody's going to feel a laugh at how I pronounce it, so it's my turn. Kurt, Kurt Charlotte. I took one on the hand. So, um, I'm going to, I'm going to, um, chapter 17. Um, now, when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, and where they were, where there was a synagogue of Jews. Paul went in, as was his custom, on three uh, Sabbath days. He reasoned with them from the scriptures explaining and proving that it was necessary for Christ to suffer, to rise from the dead, and say, This Jesus, whom I proclaim to you, is the Christ. And some of them were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did many, a great many of the devout Greeks, and not a few of the leading women. Verse 5, But the Jews were jealous, taking some wicked men, uh, of the rabble, they formed a mob, set the city in an uproar, and attacked the house of Jason, 
seeking to bring them out to the crowd. And when they could not find them, they dragged Jason and some of the brothers before the city authorities, shouting, These men who have turned the world upside down have come here also. Jason has received them. They are all acting against the decrees of Caesar, saying that there is another king, Jesus. The people and the city authorities were disturbed when they heard these things. When they had taken money as security from Jason and the rest, they let them go. Verse 10. The brothers immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. And when they arrived, they went into the Jewish synagogue. Now these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica and received the word with all eagerness, explaining the scriptures daily to see if these things, I'm sorry, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. So they hear and then they immediately go to the word to, alright, you guys tell us the truth. Or that's the, the pattern here. Verse 12. Many of them therefore believed with not a few Greek women of high standing as well as men. But when the Jews from Thessalonica learned that the word of God was proclaimed by Paul at Berea, also they came there too, agitating and stirring up the crowds. Then the brothers immediately sent Paul off on his way to the sea. But Silas and Timothy remained there. Those who conducted Paul, uh, who conducted Paul brought him as far as Athens. And after receiving a command for Silas and Timothy to come to him, as soon as possible. Thank you, Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for your word. that um, comes to us in the form of this historical narrative that we've been studying these weeks, Lord, that, that, that continues to show us the story of your faithfulness through the work of the early church. So, Lord, as we look at Thessalonica, we look at Maria and the apostles there, Lord, we pray tonight that you would inform us, instruct us, change us in a way that we would leave this place tonight responding and we would go the rest of our week, ultimately the rest of our lives, responding to your word um, in a way that would honor you and um, glorify you. Lord. pray you do this with your glory. Amen. So, the story continues. The story continues. So, um, I think that I'll start us off this way. I think that Thessalonica and Maria help us to understand how to share the word, but also how to hear the word. You know, and and at Thessalonica, there's this emphasis on how they proclaim Christ. And then you get to, to Berea, and, and it seems like the details are given to the Bereans and how they hear the word. Um, so as we walk through this text tonight, let's think about um, how are we encouraged from these two places? Are we challenged from these two places in our work as, as gospel proclaimers, but also as um, as we hear the word week in, week out in, in various contexts? Um, and, and as we do that, man, God's faithful through this. Um, we see people saved. We see, um, we see people <laughs> running them out of town, too, which is not, nothing, uh, not anything big. So, um, so yeah, all right. So let's let's look at Thessalonica. Like thoughts, thoughts that jump off the page to you when you read this um, about the work that's going on in this area. Yeah, I mean, so you can. I guess you can start. We see in verse two that there's a really, and on into verse three that there's a really clear order 
to, to Paul's presentation, to this conversation that's obviously taking place uh, there in Thessalonica, right? There's, we, we kind of talked about the other day, there's, there's three really clear things that we see happening um, that then kind of move into this, you know, this further explanation of what's being discussed and laid out before the people. Sure. And he does it in a synagogue. You know, I love that it comes in in Thessalonica and in Berea that Paul just doesn't, um, you know, uh, there's not this, you know, he's not street preaching here, right? He's he's meticulous in where he goes and how he begins um, ministry. Like it's clear that he has a plan, right? That yeah. He knows that there there's there's some religiously uh, religious thinking people, right? Or or these people are thinkers, you know, and, and so he looks for places to where he can dialogue, he can have a relationship. The door's not going to necessarily slam in his face. Um, so I guess like he's wise, yeah. in where he goes to, to do this. There's a there's a strategy to yes. the, the evangelistic efforts of Paul, right? Like he, it's not just like okay, well, throwing darts at a board and like here's where we go, but like there's this consideration of you know who I am. What I know and like where these things are going to lend themselves to be much benefit. Yeah, he's very intentional. He's very intentional, and you think, well, hang on, like, how do you know that? You make it too much of that. No, like, like Luke, who is all about details, includes that same detail in both of these locations as a pattern of what we've already seen. Exactly. Acts. This so, is not. This is not. Uh, you know. Something that is out of the ordinary yeah. for Paul as it relates to his typical first stop when he right. heads into, a, into right. an area. So as we immediately begin to think about how we respond, look, like when we are, uh, when we're being evangelistic, when we're having conversations about Christ, we're sharing the gospel. That yes, the Lord can work through like just walking out the door and talking to the first person you meet, right? And we love that, and, and, and we should do that, and the Spirit prompts us. But also, we should be thinking about. Where are our connections? Where are our relationships? Where do we have, where do we pay the relational rent with people that they'll listen to us and yeah. we can talk, you know, and maybe places we'll have time to talk. And I mean, like, there's a lot going in here yeah. to, to get us to verse 2. Look at verse 2. And when Paul went in, as it was custom, um, he reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and proving that it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead, saying, it's Jesus whom I proclaim to you is Christ. Mm-hmm. So Kirk already alluded to this, but we see um, a couple different a couple different um, verbs used here to describe um, the process by which Paul expounds the scriptures, explains the scriptures, right? Now we talk a lot about exposition, right? Kirk and I are Expositors, right? We love exposition. We're, it is our conviction as we come to the Word that we don't come to it with our thoughts and we read into it and then somehow work out from there. But we come in, open it up, and like like farmers in a garden, man, we just want to bring out what it says. And that's the heart of the EXPO and all those three words, the explaining, the expositing, the, the exposition that goes on um, through Paul's ministry. And what we want to do, we want to lay the scriptures bare. And in doing that, he, the, the other words that, that he uses um, in verse 2 are um, explaining, reasoning, um, proving. You know, like think about all that, that, that Paul is, is, is doing here 
by way of his of his witness, of his sharing the scriptures, you know, which is helpful because there are going to be times to where we need to explain the scriptures, right? We're, there's going to be times where we need to be persuasive in how we talk, and that's that's model for us um, here in this passage. Yeah, you know, uh, Mac and I, and I have been reading through a book by a guy named Alvin Reed called How to Share Jesus Without Freaking Out. It's a great book, um, and in in this book, he talks about, I think, some things that we see modeled by Paul here. Like, when I think of this reasoning with, um, like, I, I think of, it makes me think that there was this this willingness to, to cross the aisle and to find common ground and then to bring them across with you, right? Explaining and then proving, um, which is, is, is a point that Reed makes in his book. As we seek to, um, I mean, in this room, Primarily, I mean, all right, college students um, engage your generation with the gospel and to evangelize your generation with the gospel. There is this sense in which Acts 17 informs the way that we do this. That there is this reasoning. This let's agree. Let's begin in the areas where we can both agree. Right? That there is both beauty and brokenness in the world, and the Bible helps us to explain why these things are both there. You know, everybody can agree with that. Yeah, that's really helpful. So to reiterate, he, he, he reasons with them, he explains, he proves, he proclaims, he persuades. And here's the thing, here's the key with all of that, is that you're not going to be able to do any of those well if you're not ready. Yeah. You know, you have to be prepared to share the gospel. You have to do so in an intelligent way. Now, does that mean that you have to be this renowned Bible scholar who's written just unbelievable blog posts and articles and books about the complexity of life. Yes. Oh, no. <laughs> no. Right? If you do and you aspire to that, praise the Lord. Right? Um, we never stop learning. We never stop. But if you're not there yet, don't let not being there hold you back. Yeah. But, but don't let it be an excuse to be lazy when it comes to learning God's Word articulating the gospel well, um, knowing how to share. Yeah. Um, I worked with a ministry in college, and we would practice sharing the gospel with each other. Yeah. So me and Kurt would sit down, we didn't do this, but like, sit down, I just begin to talk. And he would just throw everything at me, like just be the hardest person to reach in the world, right? Just just everything. But man, it's so helpful, and it illustrates the fact that like, look, if you're going to reason, explain, prove, proclaim, and persuade the, with the scriptures... You gotta know. You gotta know. You gotta at least know the message. Man. Yeah. You know. And I think what we see from Paul a lot of times, and I think we maybe even see it displayed more in the Berean context that we're going to read next, is this willingness to enter into and engage in gospel conversations. Right. I think we can really become locked in on these these um, these plans and these patterns and these and this structured presentation. And we're not able to actually conversate with people. Because somebody like point two of the plan most of the time is like, hang on, I got a question. You're like, oh, I don't have room for that. Uh, we're not, we, no, we're Wait, not for that. Yeah. Like, I'm just going to yeah. tell you this and then I'm going to leave. Right. Right. Yeah. right? So, 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 so let me, let me, let me explore a little bit. You said gospel conversation. Okay. So what we mean, and stop me or add or whatever you think, but like, like to give some explanation to that, what we say is, look, we want to know the gospel well enough, and we want to know the story of the scriptures well enough that we can sit down and in a conversation with someone who doesn't know Christ and is going to ask some, some maybe strange and hard, hard questions 
that we can talk through that without, you know, without losing our mind, without becoming angry or frustrated. Or saying something that's wrong. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, so we want to say, look, man, like, like, be on mission, share the gospel. We also want to say, look, prepare to do something. Yeah, so it's embracing the benefit of gospel conversation and seeing that as a practice that you desire to adopt in your own life is going to require you to understand how the gospel relates to everyday life, right? right? right. Like, how does the gospel, like, how does that find its way into, you know, the, the struggles of the human heart, right? The, the brokenness and the sorrow that we experience and the trouble that we see in the world around us and the desire for community, right? And this longing for more, you know? Like, how does the gospel inform the way that we like understand those things so that as we're engaged in conversation with people just about life, we're able to then like infiltrate that conversation with gospel truths. And it doesn't have to be like, okay, I have no idea how to get to where we're going from where you are, but like Let's go over here, and then I can be like you can meet them where they are and begin engaging them, right? And you know, Jesus is our model of this. Jesus did this masterfully. You know, he he could he could talk to the, the, the shepherd, the farmer, you know, the woman at the well, the adulterer. You know, like there was always a bridge for him to get to yeah. to spiritual things from you know. Yeah, Greg Greg Laurie says, stop building barriers and start building bridges. Right? Build bridges to people so that you're able to leverage your influence for the good of the gospel, right? And their own personal goods. You know, another thing that I jotted down, and I think this whole uh, this whole first section illustrates for us is the need to get the gospel right. Yeah. You know, Kurt mentioned in his uh, when he, he recommended uh, earlier, they were coming up on the 500th anniversary of the Reformation, which, if you've got no clue what that's about, really it's about the importance of getting the gospel right and, um, and what that looks like. And that was, that was the, the conviction of Paul. So let's say this. Let's get the gospel right, but let's get all the gospel. And in doing so, we'll get it right. Because he, he preaches Christ. You know, so if you're like, okay, I'm not sharing right now, and to be honest, I don't know. I don't even know the packaged presentation. I don't know anything. Well, then, like, here's a great place to start. is to proclaim Christ. We were having lunch today with a, uh, one of our brothers who pastors a Hispanic church in town. And he said, look, you do not reach Hispanic people by trying to combat Catholicism. You know, you, you win Hispanic people by preaching Christ. You know, and because when we get to Christ, here's what happens is that the gospel confronts our, our worldview, our framework, our, our bad theology, our everything about us, and breaks down all of those those worldview framework issues that sometimes we want to go at first, right? Um, so, you know, like, you're a feminist, well, let me go to your feminism, and then we'll get to the gospel. Yeah. Like, no, like, like, preach Christ, or you're a, you're a Muslim, right? So so let me deconstruct the, the fallacies with yeah. Islam, and then I'll get to the and, Paul just preaches Christ. Yeah. So, and in this, there is that isn't to say that there's not a need to understand the distinctions, right? Because why am I going to preach Christ to my woman or Catholic friends if I believe that we're all on the same page anyway, right? And so you have to understand, like you have to know not only what you believe but what other people believe, so that then you can preach the hope of the gospel and Christ 
and see like transformation take place and lead people into that, right? Absolutely. Because otherwise, if you don't know that there's a distinction, then you're preaching Christ, you're sharing Christ, and you've got a friend who comes up to you and they say, well, like, I'm a, I'm a Mormon, and this is kind of what I've always believed, and you go, man, me too, like, glad we're on the same page, right? You have no idea that there are major, like, you know, rifts in between you two. So our gospel proclamation is, is Christ-centered, verse 3. He explains and he proves that it was necessary for Christ to suffer, to rise from the dead. Saying that look, this Jesus who's done these things and I'm proclaiming, he is the Christ. He is the Son of God. So, you know, we see the necessity of, of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus in our, in our proclamation of the gospel. Um, which we want to say make all the difference in the world to Paul, not only here in Acts 17, but but, you know, he writes to Corinthians, and he's so centered upon the, the resurrection and how it hinges on the gospel being good news, you know. So, so, so a lot of, again, boots on the ground lessons to our explanation of Christ, the scriptures, and the message of the gospel. Yeah. Um, and man, we said this week, everyone, but they do so, they do so poorly, right? I mean, you know, to the point that, and it says that, that a great many devout Greeks, you know, come to the Lord. Like, I mean, what does it look like to stand up and to do all these stuff, these things? Not just with a bunch of people who don't care, but like devout Greeks. I mean, you know, there's just this idea that what they're doing is is um, is bold and powerful. And we see what we see many of them, many of them come to Christ. Relationship with the Lord through faith, uh, but the, the responses are various, aren't they? Look at verses verses four through nine. Really, are all about the different responses. That there are some who you know who come, but then there's also those that form a bond. Um, verse five: that set the city in an uproar and attack the house um, of Jason. So um, apparently, where they were staying or somehow connected to. Um, Jason, uh, the, the negative response is um, is pretty bad. One thing I wanted to draw out is in verse uh, verse six. Look at what they say uh, when they could not find them. They dragged Jason and some of the brothers before the city authorities, shouting, "These men who have turned the world upside down have come here also." <laughs> now, what a powerful statement of um, indictment, right, against um, Paul. And Silas and Timothy and these guys did look. I mean, they turned the world upside down, right? Now we we can hear that and go, yeah, let's turn the world upside down, right? But 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 that indictment on them was really look. They've taken the religious paradigm and in their proclamation of Christ flipped it completely over, you know, and taken you know taken the world and flipped it. But really, what are they doing? I heard uh, James Boyce say about this passage one time that they weren't turning upside down, but they were setting straight. They were that the gospel gets the world right, right? It puts the it puts the world in proper perspective. It doesn't. It does, right? Like the message of Christ counterculture, but the the gospel shows us really how to how to set the world right. Yeah, it only highlights the perversion of culture, right? That there is this need that there would be a transformation that takes place, but only because 
it, it, the world is broken, right? And there is this need for a a, a setting right. Yeah. You know what I mean? And we see that happening. We see this progression taking place. You see it through the book of Acts, and we continue to see aspects of it play themselves out in our world today, <laughs> in which we see, um, you know, shadows and realizations of righteous living and their impact on communities and cultures. Uh, a work that, that Christ is to return and accomplish on a cosmic scale one day, right? We get glimpses of it now, right? That's why within the church, like, you think about the way the church functions, the body of Christ, there is this um, this self-sacrificial uh, service to one another, right? That seems to speak... Um, Seems to, 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 to speak of a, a countercultural existence, right? But in actuality, it's how we were created to live with one another. And we see that displayed in God Himself, right? The Father, Son, and the Spirit living this, this way, right? From uh, eternity past. So that's that's line. And the work that's been killing here continues. Uh, Paul writes to the Thessalonians two letters in the end of, uh, later in the New Testament. We see that the, the work that was begun here continues. There's a church form. Um, so what we see begin here in Acts 17 is good work. And um, comes through um, faithful preaching of the gospel that gives us many, many lessons in doing so. Then we go to Berea. Next stop, man. Yep, Berea. Berea. I love the Bereans. I want to be a Berean, right? Um, if I these are, these are the words of current type guys. Um, and here's why I love the Bereans so much, man. Because you're not going to get one past them. Is is what they hear, they go, sounds good. I'm going to make sure that's what the Bible says. I'm going to make sure that's in the Bible. Um, Kirk and I have a friend that's famous for, uh, let's just say, disrupting a meeting one time. A fairly large, prominent meeting. With a... That's not in the Bible. <laughs> uh, kind, of, kind of shout, as it were. Um, so the Bereans, uh, they may have done a little. They may have done a little of that. I don't know. But uh, but man, these guys, um, they're good listeners. Okay. So there's teaching in Thessalonica that gives us some lessons on how we should be good teachers. There's 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 teaching in Berea that I think um, does likewise, but also shows us how to be good listeners too. Um, Look at verse 10. The brothers immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. And when they arrived, they went into the Jewish synagogue. We made that point a little bit earlier that there's the strategy, obviously, in going where there is uh, contact, relationships, some um, intentionality, some wisdom, and where they go first. Verse 11. Now, these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. Um, That word noble is an interesting word there, right? We could go down a lot of trails as to what that means, but it's apparent that the tone is different in Berea, right? That these guys are either more, um, what's the word, like more formidable, they're, they're better listeners, like there's there, there's there's uh, more traction initially, it seems, with um, these more noble um, in Berea. They received the word with all eagerness, and that's exciting, <laughs> examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. Um, and then we see verse 12 on kind of the, the, the responses, right? Many believe. Um, and then verse 14, there's also this, this conflict that happens, right? So um, there's from the, the, the thugs in Thessalonica. They chased them down. 
down. Stay in your own town. Right? If they don't, they don't. Um, so, but verse 11 is, is, is really powerful. Um, like, again, we looked at some, uh, some, some verbs in, um, in chapter 17 as to how to, to explain. The, verse 11 is packed with just as many um, uh, action words as to, as to how they hear and respond in scriptures, right? Um, it says in verse 11, first, they receive the word with eagerness, right? Man, like, what does it look like for us to be eager to hear the word? Like, let that sink in. What are marks of, of eager listening? I think that, that it happens often, right? Like, that's one thing that comes to mind. Like, if I'm an eager I want to hear it more and often. Yeah. Attentive, you know? Yeah. I just get this picture of, like, edge your seat. Yeah, that great. You know? Yeah. Um, we we say I know I, I, and I can't remember who I heard this from the first time, but oftentimes like I know on Sunday sometimes I'll give a call to like lean in, like listen to this, like you know like eagerness, a mark of eager listening, which is observable by the way, like like there's a, a, a an ability for like us to look out and be like oh yeah eager listening happening here right. Typically not marked by sliding <coughs> shoulders and like head falls. Like yeah, like pull up and out. Like when Kurt and our kids, I don't know if you remember this or not, but like there was this commercial on TV. It would come around Thanksgiving every year. But there was a Burlington Coat Factory commercial. And it was this woman who was like in a shop on Black Friday. Uh, and, and she would be at the door. And she would be like up against the door and she would go, oh, 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 oh. you remember that? And it's just this, man, this is an eager woman here, right, to get in that store and to get the deals. But does that not give us a good illustration of what it looks like to be, you know, I think about, I think about Ezra and Nehemiah, you know, when, um, when Ezra, you know, they, they say, look, bring us the book, yeah. you know, and he goes and he gets on the platform and he reads it for like four hours straight, and then they all stay and like do Bible studies on it, you yeah. know, and it's just this like, give us the you know, like so eager. Yeah. Um, Think about what it looks like. Again, Andrew and I are both like pastors. We love the church, obviously, right? And like, I know that there is this, there's this desire within us that as we gather together as God's people under the authority of God's word, right, offering praise and adoration to Him, <coughs> we would do so with an eagerness. You know what I mean? Like that when you. Uh, when you show up on Sunday, man, like if there's a, a, a true comprehension of what's taking place as God's people are gathering together, then it ought to produce this eagerness. Like, do you do you walk into church on Sunday eager, right, to be there? Like, are you are you grateful to be there? Not not primarily because <laughs> like you know you get to see the people that you, you didn't get to see the rest of, them, which is a great benefit, but because you're there to to hear God's word. Right? Is there an eagerness? I don't know that there always is, um, and that's that's in my own heart as well, right? And I think that that's oftentimes produced by familiarity, right? That we become become so familiar and comfortable that um, that there isn't always an eagerness. Right. Right. You know, and, and it says a lot about our convictions about what God's word is, because. At the end of our lives, you and I are not going to be judged as we stand before the Lord as to, you know, um, all the, the, the details of our lives. 
honest. Um, but we're going to be judged towards our obedience to what his word says through faith and the obedience of faith. And if, if you believe that, then you're going to be eager to find out what this word says. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So they're eager. We should be too. Verse 11 also says, let's go next. Um, they received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily. Right? So there's this carefulness with which they, they not only hear and just go, ooh, thumbs up, man, right? But they're like, you know, that says that right there. And it, and it seems that they think through, what does that mean, right? That there's this examination. You, know, you go to the doctor, sick, you don't just walk in, he looks at you in the chair and go, yeah, you got the flu. No, I mean, there's, there's looking at his ears, throat, he looks, he yeah. feels the tim, you know, like, he gets the symptoms. Like, there's this thorough examination of who you are, and then we go, you know what, I think it's the flu. And that is the attitude and the mentality of the Bereans, that they hear, and then they search, they examine. <laughs> so there's this, this peculiarness, there's this particularity, there's this carefulness with which what they're doing here is not raking leaves, right? But it's like they've got they've got uh, tweezers, like just you know that's the picture, right? Just just breaking the pieces apart to carefully examine and say, well, you know, are these things so? <laughs> Verse eleven, um, and it says they do that every day. Right? It happens daily. Um, you know, we say this all the time, man. Like, you cannot show up at your church on Sunday, you know, once. Maybe your church meets twice and you go both times. But, you know, you can go come here, maybe you go to church on Wednesday and think, look, man, three times a week, you right? What do you eat three meals a week, right? You lose a lot of weight. Um, you've got to feed yourself. Um, you cannot rely only on the church. To feed you the word, like there has to be this daily examining, hearing the scriptures with eagerness um, to you know, to live lives that are not the Lord and are obedient and, and faithful. And that's what we see. That's what we see. <laughs> so you just want to stop here and go, "What do that?" Right? I mean, like that's how I mean that, that we need to respond that way. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't. It doesn't get a whole lot more complicated than that, you know? Um, college students, a lot of times, are grouped into one of two categories. They're polar opposites. That you're, that, that you're teachable, right? You're just like a sponge, you're going to soak it all up and, you know, just bring it all over here. Or, like, you know everything, right? I mean, it's like, I, don't, I mean, I, I got it all figured out, right? It's kind of the, the polar opposites that typically the college age gets lumped into. And um, and we see here that the Bereans give us an example of what it looks like um, to be the sponge, you know, to, to be the eager at the doorway and bring it on. Yeah, there's this humility and this confidence, right? This humility on behalf of who they are and this confidence in what God has said, Right? Uh, hence the like the, the return back to the word to uh, to check, you know, to, 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 to make sure that these things are right that they're hearing. Which again that helps produce again like a conviction for exposition. You know what I mean? To to say what God has said with God's heart, right? To to people. Um, so that you know 
on a Sunday or a Wednesday or even like we do here, you know, go back and check what we're saying. But man, it's pretty easy to do so because we're just walking through like Acts 17. You know, like um, like this is what it says. You know, uh, so that's encouraging and helpful. Yeah. So so as we move, you know, as we've walked through this passage, you know, we do move towards okay, like <clears throat> what's our response to this? Like. I think what Kurt said, you know, by way of encouragement, has to be, like, we have to read Acts 17 and what we've seen and go, you know what, I mean, this is greatly encouraging, right? That the Word of God can go forth. We still see gospel works, right? That God's faithful to redeem um, through the work of the gospel. Like, and praise the Lord, right? We see the importance of, of knowing our stuff, right? And getting the gospel right and and, and being, um, you know, prepare all those things. I mean, this is an encouragement. It has to encourage us. Um, let me get to Berea and see, you know, how we're to, to hear the word. And, to, and just, again, um, we, we, we have to hear these things and to some degree be excited for the fact, look, I'm in this group. Like, this is me. Like, I, as a Christian, this is my story, too, I can I can take up my my seat my stand in the store as well. So man, it's being encouraged to start with, right? Um, as to as to what this means for us as Christians. Um, what would you add? Let's, let's let's kind of steer, I guess, towards towards response now. Um, as we as we think kind of how the land is playing. Well, I think that the encouragement that you feel from a passage like this produces. It ought to produce the desired response, which we see here, right? It, 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 we really don't even have to, like, we can observe what takes place here, and we can say this is a, a result of the encouragement that ultimately comes from this realization that Christ redeems people, right? And so it produces this desire to say those things, you know, to, to, to reach and engage the culture and the lost and to reason and to explain uh, the scriptures to them that they might be proven as true um, and that and that sinners might be saved, right? Like that is the byproduct of this encouragement that we're tracing all the way back to this point, this moment of redemption, right? Um, so so start, like realize that and then understand this is what it looks like to do it but it ought to be produced in us if there is this true <clears throat> encouragement and excitement, you know, in, in light of the realization of who God is and what he's done for us, right? Does that make sense? Do we get that? That was a lot. I probably could have said that in about, like, 35 fewer words, but... I still do Yeah, all right? Okay. <laughs> Whatever you just said, I want to do that. Yeah, yeah. Let me, uh, here's what I heard you say. Okay, yeah. <laughs> clarify this. Oh, like, teach the gospel well. <laughs> yeah, do that. To, to proclaim the gospel well. Just do that. Yeah. And to let the effects of that be you as well. As yeah. you continue to hear the gospel well. Yeah, right? yeah. Preach the gospel to yourself, right? Like, understand your need. Like, see God's great love and grace. And it will produce the desired response of Acts 17. It's good. So to go back to where we started, we said, look, we look at look at the broad picture of this text. 
we continue to see God what it, doing what he's been doing in our lives, right? Proclamation of the gospel, advancement of the kingdom, the local church, bold proclamation of the gospel, various responses, conversion, you know, fighting. Um, <clears throat> but then when we come down the ground, we see how to do that, how to, how to, how to proclaim the gospel well, thoroughly, um, how to explain the scriptures, um, and also a lesson in, in how to hear them well as well. So, by God's grace, we will do that.